Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. Welcome into an all-new Blue Wire podcast joint collaboration, a crossover episode between the OBR Film Breakdown and the great Jake Burns, as well as All Eyes on Cleveland and myself, Brad Ward. Jake, how we doing, brother? Brad, we're great. How are you? I'm excellent. Uh, keeping my eyes on the news here. Some stuff going on today. Got some questions for you. You're going to talk through some of this roster stuff tonight. Uh, as we look at tomorrow being the cut down to 50, the initial cut down to 53. Hopefully not the final one. At least that's what I'm hoping for as the Browns fan. Yeah, they, they, there's going to be, between now and tomorrow at 4, there will be a lot of decisions. And those decisions at 4 have decisions that follow those decisions. Like an example is the Wyatt Teller trade came after the final roster movement. Um, there have been many moves. And like last year, Jacob Phillips made the initial 53, then went directly onto the IR. So like they'll announce a 53, and then they will... Uh, and then they'll make a bunch of changes. So tomorrow throughout the day will be fascinating. But this, what the NFL has done that I like, Brad, is made this bye week happen where you have this week of like, instead of a fourth preseason game and then rolling right into the regular season, you have this week of figuring out post preseason roster construction with practices intertwined. And mm-hmm. the Browns are off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you get a nice break before your season gets here. But I just like this time to you know, uh, decompress after the 90-man the rosters, working your way down to 53, figuring out the practice squad, and not having to worry about a fourth game. I, I just think that I think that that's a really nice thing uh, that the schedule has produced here. So, yeah, this week will be a week-long endeavor to figure out what the actual 53 will look like when uh, next Monday is here and it's Carolina week and, and things are nonstop. Uh, and, 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 you know, so you got to have some plans in place. You got to, I'm sure they're working the phones like crazy right now, trying to figure out, you know, not only guys they could potentially trade for so talking to other GMs and other decision makers and franchises, but also practice squad guys. You know, if you release your Marcus yes. Bradley, if you release some of these other guys, can you pull them back to your practice squad? People forget that you don't just get an automatic pull back to the practice squad. You, you guys can go elsewhere. You remember last year, Marvin Wilson, chose to go to Philly and he's still there. So like you you can you can move off of a place that you're at just you know when you're waived it's not an automatic return for practice squad. So that's not how it goes. And there's a reminder like there's waived and then there's released. If you don't have four accrued seasons, you are pretty much looking at having to clear the NFL's waiver wire. You have to yes. go through and uh you know uh, go through that process unless you have four vested years you you also have to go through it right like you have to go through the process of someone can claim you uh, at that point if you you can be released after four vested NFL seasons and then you can choose where you want to go 
until like a point in the season. I, I'm not sure at that point in the season, Brad, like week four, or week seven. I can't remember. But if it's hmm. in season, if even if you're accrued, you, you are exposed to waivers. But at this point, there's a definitely a, a difference. Like the Browns released Sheldon Day. He had four accrued seasons in the NFL. So he's they a free wa- agent automatically. Automatically. They're waiving a lot of these guys, which the waiving, waiving them puts them through the waiver wire process for someone to claim. And if they claim them, they get that player at their contract value, right? If they mm-hmm. clear waivers, they can then sign with whoever they want for whatever they want. But that process is, is being exposed. And like, if you put a guy out there, it's not like you can say, hey, Mike Woods, we're going to release you and come back to the practice squad. And there are those backroom agreements shake handshaking things but you're still exposing a guy so you gotta you gotta understand that there is risk to exposing a player and that's like back to the Curtis Weaver thing that's what the Dolphins tried to do they tried to get him through waivers to put him on the IR early and they exposed him and Cleveland claimed him now obviously Cleveland has since let him go but nonetheless (laughs) you you understand kind of what I'm getting at there it's a trickier process than I think people understand and I do think people forget that there is some convincing a guy to come join the practice squad just because he was a UDFA or a guy who's been here for a year, you have to convince him to come back to your practice. squad. it's a bit of a recruitment that you're doing there, a mini free agency of sorts. So uh, that's something to always, always keep your eye on. And and, and as a GM, you're navigating, can I expose this guy to other teams in the league? Cause there's potential that they claim him here. Then it's not easy. It's not as easy too. I should say, Brad, I'm kind of out of a tangent out in the weeds here, but like is a GM, you have to be picky about who you claim. You can't claim everybody because if you get a guy, then you reset to the back end of the structure. You're not, you, you, don't, you don't get to claim every single player. You, yep. you don't get rights to a guy. You get a guy, then you move back and so on and so forth. So like, you can't just say, hey, I'll claim these 10 guys. You got to be very poignant about who you want to claim and getting them. And it's just it's a whole chess match that goes on that I don't think people are really fully uh, understanding of. And I'm not that I'm the most well-versed with it, but... There's just a lot of moving parts during this time to get your 53, and not only your 53, but your 16 after that. The Browns will probably have a guy or two who hasn't been here on their practice squad. They'll bring them in, new faces, stuff like that. So not only do they adjust the 53 with a guy or two who hasn't been here, but there'll be a practice squad addition for somebody that hasn't been here either that they convinced to come over. Because what you're doing as a practice squad guy, hey, say I'm uh, Herb Miller, for example. Yeah. And I say, hey, Cleveland has six corners here that are pretty good. Like, I'm not going to get on the roster. It's not a guarantee, but I could go to Denver, who is struggling for cornerback play. I can have a better chance if I'm on that practice squad to get elevated if they like me. I mean, it has to be two-way street, got to have interest. But that's kind of what you're doing as a player. You're trying to find a pathway through a practice squad to get to an NFL roster. So that's kind of what the players are also thinking at the same time. Because I think, I don't know what the number is, Brad. I see, I saw something written over the summer. I think you still get like $9,000 a week. Uh, being on the practice squad or something like sure. that. It's it's a yeah. it's a good chunk of change. So it's not nothing. So guys are fighting for those opportunities. Yeah, it's interesting too with um and we'll get into the cuts today's cuts here in a second, but with uh Andrew Barry, you know, and you mentioned like, you know, trying to convince guys to be a part of your practice squad or remain a part of your program after you cut them, right? Um and I think that one thing that Barry has done to his favor in that way is that they, you know, they have called on guys like the Browns are clearly more comfortable with guys that they've had around in the building before. So like if you are a part of the Browns training camp, they will come back to you later in the season if they need to. Like how many times have they gone back to Moffitt, right? Or whatever. Willie Harvey's another great example. I think Willie left for a different practice squad or maybe he was just kind of floating out there in free agency for and then they brought him back so yeah if the browns like your attitude 
your uh, preparedness, your, uh, you know, ability to, because a reminder again, like the practice squad is not like you're just out there practicing and having fun. You're a scout team guy. Like you are the main thing you are doing with other fringe depth guys is putting on a scout team for the offense or defense, considering what side you're on to give the defense or offense a look. So you have to do things like there are, there is a role to be had here. Yes. You're trying to develop. Yes. You're trying to put tape together that impresses the coaches, but like, you're out there, you're getting beat up, you're doing things, man. And like, they need you to be a, a great person in the locker room. They need you to be a willing um, listener, a coachable, right? They need, they need all yeah. of those things. And like, if you make a good impression, like to your point, Brad, the Browns will bring you either back or, or, or you know, like they kept Johnny Stanton around for a while. They've kept many guys yeah. around and brought them back and all that. So I don't think I'll be surprised to see anybody that has been here in previous stops end up coming back because they just fit sort of a niche for for, for what you need on the practice squad to prepare for each game each week. Yeah, you play you play a role, right? You're playing a role. You're getting your team ready, and you and that is uh each details are so huge in the NFL, right? So uh, that's a big part of things. Let's go down through some of the names we just mentioned actually on this cut list today as the Browns are beginning their cuts and they're coming in all over the NFL. Um, as they get ready for tomorrow, as we already mentioned. But uh, let's go through the Browns today here. So wide receiver Javon Wims uh, is, uh, I think, I don't know if he was waived or released, either one. Um, Glenn Logan, defensive tackle. Curtis Weaver, as we mentioned, who got stolen in this process, uh, is cut today. Uh, Offensive tackle Ben Petrula. Uh, Punter Joseph Charlton. Safety Luther Kirk. The fourth, tackle Wyatt Miller, cornerback Parnell Motley, uh, tight end Marcus Santos Silva, one of the hyphenated tight ends, is gone. Uh, wide receiver Jamarcus Bradley cut, and safety uh, name I mentioned before, Javante Moffitt cut today. So that's the list I have. Am I missing anybody that you can think of? Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. Yeah. And most of those were expected. I, I don't think any of those were unexpected. Did you have... Uh... No, no surprises. The only ones, you know, Bradley and Wims are guys I thought maybe end up on our practice squad, or at least I was hoping uh, would be on the practice squad. Like, I kind of liked some things I saw from Wims, and, you know, Bradley's been around forever for the Browns. So we'll see if they end up on the practice squad. Yeah, I think there's a good chance. There's a good chance. They're going to need – you know some of those defensive linemen. You need those guys. You need yes. You need you need skill guys because skill guys can play in in both directions. They could be a wide receiver or a corner one week, or you know you need somebody to mimic Lamar Jackson, be an athlete back there playing quarterback and doing some read option stuff. So yeah, th- there are a ton of different angles that they can fill for you. Um, Glenn Logan, no surprise there, but I thought he uh, did well for himself. Uh, he, I thought he had a pretty good showing when he was in the game, uh, and he was cut today. But no surprises there at all for me. No, I, I don't think so either. I, I really don't think that there were any surprises. There are some names that I'm really, um, I'm really anticipating, um, and I think they're having some of those hard discussions right now. I thought Roderick Perry was better than Glenn Logan. I thought Ben Petrula was one of the worst offensive linemen they put on the field in this sure, preseason. Yeah. No, no disrespect to him, a guy that they gave a lot of money to, but he just was not he, the body type, the movement skills. The, the Cleveland is not the fit for offensive tackle for him. Javon Wims, a, an older receiver, just yeah. limited, just limited, and a, a very replicable, a replicable skill set. And and he's got some NFL years, so his 
some of the stuff for him money wise is different. Curtis Weaver, I'm I'm not surprised by one bit. He just never, never quite put together. Um, yeah, man. The, the, I, I like admit- he, he at Pro Football Focus loved him coming out, and he produced at the at, at Boise. But like, I I just uh, I just never saw it. I never saw con- continuous rush moves. I didn't like his body type. I just there was nothing Agreed. there that really struck for me in terms of what you know some some people had had thought he was going to eventually become. So. Yeah. Jamarcus Bradley is a guy uh, I know that you reference here. Is he's been with the practice squad for a while, and a yeah. reminder he wasn't waived; he was released, so he um, could come back. I would not be surprised if Bradley comes back. If he'd be his third year in the system uh, as, as well. And Javante Moffitt is another great example: a guy they let go, goes to the Jets, signs there, gets released or waived, comes back. Cleveland Played lets him go well. again. I, I think he's going to come back as well. Th- those are two types of guys that they have experience going up to the active roster and being back down and doing that sort of limbo and yep. they're both competent they're both competent Jamarcus Bradley's fine you know he's he's yeah. fine so yeah those are two that, that I think will be back um as far as this roster goes as far as some of the decisions that they are making now I kind of want to breach some of these real quickly before we kind of go around some of the things that are happening in the NFL that the Browns should be paying attention to here uh, with cut downs coming. So uh, I think let's let's start with the wide receiver room, right? Because it's a point of concern for me. Um, it, it, Michael Woods, for you, he's he's in for me, right? Like in my kind of mental 53, like I think they are considering him in on the 53-man roster and the only I bring him up because I also want to breach the topic of Chase Vinovich, Vinovich however you say his name right uh Vinovich because both of these guys are brought on the roster uh Woods probably better advantage because he's a draft pick and he showed he played pretty well at the beginning and showed some explosiveness but you know and then hurt right and hasn't returned same with Vinovich now where do you think that uh, – did they see enough from these guys? I don't think Andrew Berry makes trades for no reason, so that's kind of why I lean toward Dwindovich also being on this roster. I think that both of them end up on the 53. Where do you come out on guys that got hurt and we haven't seen for a couple – like three weeks now? So was the other one you mentioned Weatherly? I, I, can't, I couldn't quite hear you, Brad. I'm I mentioned – uh, I apologize. Who else? Winovich and the wide receiver Michael Woods. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, my bad. Um, Yeah, so – that's a tough one. That's a tough one because you, what, what you're doing there is truly leaning into eval, le- leaning into why did you trade for Chase Winovich? What did you like about him? And in the preseason game and the training camp, uh, you know, sessions that we did see him, did he do the things you want? Because just because he's hurt, if he gets back healthy, that, again, some of it depends on the severity of the hurt here that we don't necessarily are not privy to that knowledge right now. Um, can they do those things? And if they if that's a yes, then they'll bring him back, right? I think Mike Woods they want to give run to partly because. You know, it's a soft tissue injury for him, and he's a six-round guy in this draft. And the reason I'm like, in years past or other situations, I certainly could see like letting him go because you just have so many wide receivers, but they're so short on wide receivers, and the guys that they're already banking on are struggling, as we've seen. Like, I just have a hard time seeing them let Woods go. So I think he'll be here. There could be an IR designation if the severity or the grade of that hamstring he's dealing with, I think it's a hammy, is severe enough. They could put an IR. They could keep him in an IR right away and put him on the uh, ability to come back after four weeks. So um, I lean that both of those guys are going to make it. Yeah, but, me too. Um, 
but yeah, you, you know, anytime there's injuries that pro, in a prolonged portion of camp, you have to look at what was the buzz when they were out there. And for Woods, it was pretty strong. I didn't get to see any games. That's a big bummer. But the, the early returns looked like they liked what he was doing. And then, um, and, and then, um, you know, quite, quite simply, you have to just analyze, like, is that skill set something they can use this year, even though you're not seeing it in preseason the way we want to see it, because that's what we're able to see. So I just lean both of those guys will be here, partly because the depth at both of those positions is pretty bleak. If they were really, really competing against guys that I thought had a, a way out of it, like if Weatherly, for example, was healthy, um, you know, because kind of it's when it's right. Alex Wright is a lock as your third best talented edge. And then yep. it's like Isaac Rochelle, kind of yep. uh, Isaiah Thomas, seventh rounder. Like, I just think that Winovich is sort of by default getting this opportunity here. So, um, yeah, so that's, wh- that's just so what do you want to do with the rest of that room then. Uh, like Rochelle is in, I think. Right. Um, I could see him right keeping now. five. I could see him yeah. keeping five. But I also like Isaiah Thomas, too. But. Me is too. that a guy there <clears throat> thinking at his advanced age, he's got the hand broken hand or wrist or whatever happened and he was clubbed up. Like, do they think they can reel him back to their practice squad? Cutting a seventh rounder to get him back to your practice squad is not at all. It is not at all. We, uh, it's, it's kind of pretty standard practice for the most part to try to get him yeah. back. Cause you know, other teams are, cl- if you're claiming and another reminder too, if you claim a guy, they're on your 53. That's something that people forget too. Like if, it's not like, it's kind of like the Rule 5 draft in Major League Baseball where there are all these yeah. guys who are Rule 5 eligible, very talented players, but they're too young. Like, if you claim a guy, and this is deep in Guardians, Indians territory here, but there was a young man named Anthony Santander who the, who the Orioles claimed like five years ago, and he was yeah. he, he was a really promising young bat, but they had to, in order, the, 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 the Guardians, or at the time the Indians, didn't want to expose him. They had to put him on their... 40 man they didn't do that they weren't ready to do that yet not only do you have to put him you have to put him on your 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 active 25 man roster in baseball he has to be there he can't go back if he goes back down he goes back to his old team so like if you if you keep a guy so say you you know say isaiah thomas is released and somebody like the vikings claims him he's got to be on their 53 they can't claim him and stash him on their practice squad yeah right they gotta yeah. claim him, put him on their fifty-three. So there's that element too, and that's why so many guys do go unclaimed because teams understand that, like, if I claim this guy, he's on my active roster. That's how it. Yeah. That's how it goes. So yeah, yeah. So they really have to be like somebody that you feel is going to make a difference to put up, bring bring somebody in, claim them, and put them on your fifty-three immediately, right? Like, I think that the Browns may end up having to look that way at wide receiver here depending on what happens with woods and whatnot but still uh you can see that you really have to have a feel strongly about somebody like that right so uh isaiah thomas yeah i think he sticks around either way so i just think that's uh interesting there at the back end of that room i mean you're looking at like six guys for five spots probably right um and one of them ends up on the practice squad all right so how do you I mean what do you want to do I mean Anthony Schwartz so so today I heard Daryl Ryder and I I laughed at this out loud uh he said you know Anthony Schwartz right so Anthony Schwartz is clearly going to make the 53-man roster right and but we've seen it's been unbelievably disappointing and and right you know they came out with the agenda yet Saturday night of you know kind of force feeding the ball to try to get his confidence up and it didn't work uh Jake so um you know Ryder today says 
you know, Schwartz will make the 53, and and he will, I believe, Stefanski, because he flat out said it in the press conference after the game. I don't know if you listened to it, but he, he was like, no, yeah, he's going to make the team. So, uh, okay, I, I, I'll trust him in his word there. But Daryl Ryder's like, well, yeah, he should make the team, but he should be pushed down the depth chart. And I started laughing out loud, and I'm like, for who? <laughs> who who on the depth chart moves ahead of him then? Because I don't see anybody else on this depth chart. I mean, Demetrius Felton. I mean, who else on this wide receiver room is on the depth chart? And I mean, after him, I yeah, I don't know. Woods man. is hurt. Yeah, like it's 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 probably. Um, if I go back and check what I have for for fifty three, I kept. I mean, I kept six receivers in this case. Um, Amari, DPJ, Bell, Schwartz, Felton, and Woods. Like, Felton's the one who continues to get early reps. Like, you're putting him on the field. And again, he's like such a weird thing with him. I mean, they're not really targeting him in the passing game, but they have him out there a lot. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, there are three wide receivers right now that have any type of NFL confidence. And uh, you could pick apart DPJ and David Bell quite easily. So, yeah. I mean, like, they're going to give Schwartz another year. You just he's 21 and 22 now. Uh, he's so young. But at some point you have to be able to do basic things. Like you have to be able like if if you are a guy who runs extremely well, you can only be sent vertically downfield without attention from your quarterback so many times before teams are just like, "Okay, man, we're just going to solo him up yeah, because we're not whatever. worried about it." Yeah. Like that can only ha- and they haven't even really sent him on many deep routes. They've been trying to figure out can this guy catch sh- slants, drags, square ends, like short throws, and then use his speed to separate after the throw. And he can't catch the football right now. So he's never been this bad at catching the football. I do think some of it is just simply mental. But yeah, you, he's got the yips. You do kinda. have to do it eventually, though, Brad. And if you're going to be put out on the field. Your speed is only as threatening as how well you use it. And, like, I have not seen him really run away from very many people. If you point back to the Kansas City game, uh, that first catch he caught, uh, double double caught up there on the right hash off play action, like, he yeah. was running past a safety who was rolling down and one was rolling from the back. So it's not like he was running away from anybody there. I mean, he, he did, but it's not like he ran. Like, that's to be expected. If you're running an a, a pylon route from a, from a bunch set and one safety's rolling down and one safety's trying to cover middle to, to, to deep over top, you can be an average speed guy and, and win that you race. Win, what you yeah. want from a guy like Anthony Schwartz is to be so fast, he creates unexpected results as a runner. Yeah. And we have not seen any unexpected running results from him. And then you mix in, he's not catching it. I'm all for development. I'm all for it. And we're going to talk about some wide receivers later who I think you have to really consider here. Again, I'm all for development. I'm not calling him for him to be cut. Maybe something clicks this year. Maybe he needs something adjusted with vision. I, I mean, I, I really have no idea. It's not my place because I'm not around him all the time. Like, I don't know. I mean, it could it could be. It could be. It Depth could perception be. stuff. Uh, but, but, like, you have to make him irrelevant on your 53. You have to do two things. If you're going to keep Anthony Schwartz, you have to do two things. Make him irrelevant right now to your wide receiver depth chart. Okay, that means bringing in a body or two, whether Woods gets healthy or whether we talk about some names here in a bit that they can claim or trade for. You have to make him irrelevant. You cannot go into weeks one through five counting on him right now. 
He needs exactly. his confidence built back up. He needs some things to click for him. <clears throat> Maybe those happen in practice, whatever. But you also need to carve out a role for him that is in special teams, somehow, some way that makes him worth even keeping on the 53. You can develop yes. him, cool, as a wide receiver, but he's got to have a, a purpose for being up on the 53. That's a punt, a punt team gunner or a kick returner uh, or something. He's, you know, he's got to be able to do something that justifies paying him the money he's getting and the, and the, the time he's getting to develop. So, um, that's my stance on it. I'm not outwardly calling for him to be cut, but I do think you have to find a useful part of what he's on the 53 for, and you have to make him irrelevant right now. And as we sit here, saying Dimitri Felton makes him irrelevant is, is an uneasy proposition to me. There, there needs yeah, to be I something totally better yeah. to, 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 to make that situation make me feel better about it. So um, that's just kind of where I am on Schwartz. And I'm not, yeah. you know, if some people are over the top on him, I... I I, listen, I put it this way. This is completely the way I, I felt. Two weeks ago, I thought he was a lock. Just, you know, you're just, he's a second-year receiver. It got so bad here in these three weeks of preseason and camp, and it's not just isolated three preseason games, camp videos, and we know how uneven last year was, that I'm not I'm not just sh- certain they're going to keep him. I, I think they are now that we have Kevin's quote and all of that. But, like, <laughs> after that game, I'm like, I think it's a coin flip. Like, I really yeah. think it's a coin flip because he's just not even doing basic NFL things. I'm not asking him to jump over somebody. I'm not asking him to run past people. I'm just asking him to catch a zone coverage slant, square in, whatever. Seriously. And he's not doing it. So that's kind of where yeah. I leave it. Yeah, it, it feels like <clears throat> it feels like he has the yips a little bit. It's in his head. Uh, I don't think he's this bad, but you're absolutely right. I mean, he cannot be a part of their game plan. And I think that the way you kind of explained the wide receiver room is exactly how I feel about it. Like there's just, you have to be able to push him back into the background a little bit. Um, So we'll talk about that here in just a moment, but let's finish up here talking about the roster. Just a couple questions here. We, you know, the Browns haven't had any UDFAs make this team. Do you think DeAnthony Bell's on the roster? No. Um, Boy, it, he could. It's a coin flip. I, it depends on what they want from that fourth safety. If they want it to be a center fielding type guy, a better deep coverage player, then he won't. They'll keep Richard LeCount. If they're hungry for a player who can play toward the box, I personally would have kept Javante Moffitt for that role and then had yeah. Bell developing on my practice squad. I lean no. He's had a heck of a time making splash plays. A little inconsistent in the down-to-down stuff. But mm-hmm. he's made some splash plays, some innate things in terms of like peanut punch and some of that stuff. He does a nice job squaring up in the backfield tackling to where I think he's got something and that something starts on the practice squad and he proves it and he can get there eventually. I just lean with how Grant is deployed, John's comfortability toward the line of scrimmage. Not They play John deep, but he's got that comfortability. And Ronnie's propensity to be better forward. I think a fourth safety like... Richard, who's a deeper, more comfort in the deeper portions of the field makes the most sense to me. Not that I think Richard LeCount isn't ultimately a replaceable player. Like if they claim to safety, I would be 0% surprised. I think LeCount has really struggled in the preseason, especially coming up and filling uh, run fits, making tackles in space. Some of that stuff has been quite ugly. Uh, so he's not a perfect prospect here either. But um, if they, they could keep five, too. I wouldn't be stunned if they kept five safeties and Bell could make it. So I, I'm, I'm to the point, when this is a compliment to the young man, like, I'm not surprised either direction. If he made the roster, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised because I think he does some innate things really well, and, and they might feel like if we expose him, somebody could claim him. The reason I, I say that, I think that 
I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of 50-50 on it, too, just because of the way they deployed him the other night, right? Like, so yeah. with uh, Ronnie Harrison out, they went to the three safety looks, and it was Bell over uh, LeCount. And then after that, when they went to just two safeties deep, it was Bell before LeCount. So that made me think twice about it, right? And then he made another big play. I agree some with of it's you. Exposing, yeah. Some of it's exposing him to higher quality competition, sure. which is what they did with Drew Forbes, right? They started sure. Forbes at left guard. Like, we need to see if we liked Forbes' backup tape against Philly, or we liked it. We need to see what he does against some people that are going to play on Sundays. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's certainly eyebrow-raising for the timing at which they did that and all of it, but... um. You know, I'm 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 not sure that that tells a story. Like people were trying to say that, like, yeah, Ernest Johnson playing 30 snaps told a story. Sometimes I, this is just me, Brad. I, I'm not calling anyone wrong here. I just don't think everything is story driven. Like I just maybe Ernest was the guy who wanted to get carries that night, and like, yeah, he said, "Hey, man, I'd love to play a lot of reps to get ready for the season." And they just played him. They have every intention of keeping him. They just played him. You know, it's not an audition. You don't need a Ernest Johnson doesn't need an audition. His tape from last year is the audition. He's he's done it. He can do it there so like him playing 30 snaps or 25 snaps in a preseason game does not mean he's auditioning for other teams if your team needs him to audition they haven't been watching him and why are they interested so yeah you know i'm I'm, sometimes i do think though it's about exposing a player to different teammates and environments and and seeing how they respond to it so yeah for sure all right last my last question roster wise here uh Let's go right there to the running back room. I mean, are if they don't find a trade partner, are you keeping all these around? Are you keeping four running backs and Felton? Uh, obviously, it'd be no fullbacks then. I would think, right? Is that how you're looking at this? Until I see a trade, until I see a trade, yeah, I'm believing they're keeping four running backs. I consider Felton a wide receiver. He just doesn't do running back things. So, like, yeah, I, I think okay. they're keeping those four running backs. I don't see them keeping Stanton. I don't think they need a, a fullback because Harrison Bryant, when they want to do it four or five times, has experience motioning into the backfield or being that offset back. So, I think that's an unnecessary use of a roster spot unless you feel like Johnny Stanton is an irreplaceable special teams guy, and I don't think that is the case. So they keep him around. He's a great person, great guy, yeah. works hard, great scout team guy. They'll keep him around if he's willing. So um, keep an eye on that, but I don't think he's going to make the initial 53. All right, I lied. Last question here real <laughs> quick. Any uh, um, who Anybody that surprise, you think surprises – Anybody that makes 53, like anybody jump out, like I, I had some second thoughts about Sean Jolly making it as the sixth corner, or you think that's Herb Miller? Hey, man, I'm in on Sean Jolly from the from back in July, late July. I thought he had a real chance. They, The reason I think they do is because he's one of the, the rare few who I think is he's pesky enough as a slot defender that they need depth there. So A.J. Green got a lot of reps. We all know that Greg Newsom seems to be in nickel sets the – odds-on favorite to be the uh, yep. nickel corner inside. But uh, I also have seen some reps from Greedy this preseason that Joe Woods could say, I'm absolutely just not doing this. I'm going to put Greg on the outside, and uh, Greedy can be a depth guy, and I'm going to put AJ on the inside and just roll with it. They could do that, but they need depth there with guys experienced doing it. Martin Emerson's an outside corner, typically a field corner. Um, so I just view it as, do we have a guy – we can develop there, and maybe they—they're probably not afraid of exposing him um, to the, uh, the 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 waiver process. But I do think he would benefit them in developing him and using him. I think he can handle that role, especially with what they so zone defense heavy. The Browns yeah. are one of the leading NFL usages of zone, so 
Uh, and I, I really like some of his blitz reps the other day, too. They stuck the young man with number 49. And you never presume a guy wearing number 49 is going to make the roster. So um, there's <laughs> that. He's got to overcome that. He's, again, a guy that's coin flip to me. Wouldn't be surprised in either direction. But I personally, I've seen enough of Herb Miller. I'm good. I'd rather not. And uh, yeah. I'd rather take a risk on a player who's got some slot experience in a position that they need some depth at. So that's where I'm leaning. Agreed. Uh, okay. Anybody, uh, any other surprises? No, I really, I really don't think so. Um, okay. Most, most of which we've covered Miller Forrestal, the third tight end I'm paying close attention to. Yeah, me too. Um, but that's, you know, wh- we're going to talk wide receivers in a minute, but, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just kept Forrestal because they're going to use a lot of 12 and, uh, Forrestal's capable enough when he comes in. So, um, you know, that's just my, my early hunch. I originally thought they were going to be aggressive, um, that they were going to be aggressive at the third tight end in, in waivers. And they could still, if they don't get a guy they want somewhere else and all that. But like, to me, it is, um, it is best used in other places. Like the wide receiver stuff has become so pressing. The defensive tackle group, I could see being more pressing that they just say, we'll keep Forrestal and we'll put our waiver wire pecking order here for a guy that's more important or an asset trade here because we need it more. So I just tend to think that's the way they'll go. Okay. Uh, we are going to talk about players not on the Browns roster that the Browns should maybe be kicking the tires on or taking a look at. Uh, after this short break, you're listening to a joint collaboration, All Eyes on Cleveland and the OBR Film Breakdown. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we are back. I am Brad Ward. That is Jake Burns. This is our crossover edition of the show. We've talked Brown's roster here as the eve of the uh, initial roster cut down to 53. Let's talk about some guys not on this roster that the Browns should be looking at. Uh, let's start at wide receiver here. Uh, you know, LaViscus Chenault gets traded to Brown's week one opponent uh, today, uh, the Panthers. Thoughts on that, and then, you know, does that free anything up from the Panthers? Maybe Marshall? Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, so I did not expect the Panthers to be active players in uh, the wide receiver market with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Ish Smith has been pretty good for them, and, like, they've got some guys that I I just didn't expect this sort of thing. And you're right, Terrace Marshall, they drafted in the second round that last year. Now, he was a major flop. His first year, but there's some, you know, it's sometimes guys finding different places. You got to set the, those expectations. It's just so funny. You'll see the, the Panthers trade for Chenault, who has really been uh, an underperforming second round pick from, from yes. Jacksonville. And they got all these positive spins. He can do this. He can do that. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. <laughs> okay, man. They traded him to you because there's a reason. Now, again, yeah. not to say guys don't figure it out and put together a better role in a different place, a different scheme, a different staff, right? It happens, but it's just the same rhetoric every time. And it, and it really makes me laugh uh, watching the the framing of how one team, this guy is trash while simultaneously the next team, he is gold. It's just, yes. it's really funny to me. And it happens in Brown's realms too. I'm not 
not uh not saying we're above that by any stretch of the imagination but um yeah so so the trade there chenault it does raise the eyebrow of is marshall somebody they would then move off of we don't know what pick they received yet for that uh it's weird player. right What's that? How they would? That's weird. How they didn't, uh, you know, yeah. announce that Undisclosed. or kept that secret. Yeah, sort of strange. You, you rarely see that. I would imagine in the coming days that will creep out. Maybe it was undefined. Maybe they're working on the terms of it or something. Yeah. Uh, but Marshall is a guy to keep an eye on. I think Carolina people have said that they they don't think he's going to be cut, but that's something I would be keeping an eye on. They're probably fielding calls on that. So um, I thought Chenault could be interesting for Cleveland, but sort of feels like they want to play David Bell there. And, and get him as many inside slot reps as possible. So I get why they wouldn't be in on that player. They're probably looking at outside guys, and I know we're about to talk about a couple outside targets for sure. Yeah, so you brought this guy to my attention a couple weeks ago, and then the other guy, you know, wants out, and they showcased him this weekend. So uh, Denzel Mims was showcased this weekend, and he looked fantastic. And, you know, we're talking about a guy – uh, I think he was a second-round draft pick. He ran a four-three-eight forty. He has impressive athletic skills, right? Like, and it, he just—they're not giving him the opportunities that he wants in New York. So he wants out, uh, and they're hearing they're taking calls. And supposedly the Browns have called, right? I, I saw that report today. They are listed in a group of names of teams that have shown interest. The other guy that you brought to my attention, and that's Darius Slayton, who is very intriguing in New York. Uh, I don't know where he stands, but he's certainly on their cut bubble. He is on their cut bubble. He has fallen out of favor there. Um, and again, I don't pay the closest of attention. They're dealing with some other stuff too, like Kenny Galladay, who's a big signing for them, is, has Do been seventeen bad. million dollars, and yeah. they don't even throw him the ball. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. he's been bad. He doesn't try hard. Like there's just a ton of bad stuff going on there. Uh, you know, the optics look terrible. So. Their receiving situation is a mess. For some reason, Slayton has fallen down the list of guys that they believe in. There's belief that they would field calls on it. They can't move Galladay. The reason they'd probably prefer to move Galladay, but he's got too much dead cap that they feel inclined to keep him another year. So Slayton yeah. becomes a guy they could move off of. I think they get something back for him and whether the Browns want to give up something real. Listen, they Dearness Johnson taking over their second running back room. Uh, second running back position could make some sense. Uh, it, it, it depends how desperate the Browns are with Kareem Hunt. I'd prefer not to go that route personally, but uh, that, yeah. that Slayton is a, is a guy who can play inside out. He's got, he's got really nice vertical speed. I think he can run while he's got, he's got some parts of his game that have been strong through the years. He's inconsistent separator. He is not um, the most consistent catch point guy. This is why he's available. Obviously I'm not trying to replicate this the uh, ironic situation I was just talking about. Um, and there have been times where in coaching staffs, he has not always been in the right place at the right time, lined up where he was supposed to be, uh, some some mental mistakes too. So that's why you fall out of favor with the coaching staff over a period of time. And, and, and a reminder that the, the New York has gone through, since he's been there, I think this is his third coaching staff now, since he's been involved in the organization, because he came on very strong at the beginning of his career. So he's a he guy did. I'm interested in for sure. Just again, he's not going to come to Cleveland to set the world on fire, but he could raise the basement of the room. He could do some things progressively over the first five weeks and eventually be a part that you could maybe count on. So, um, yeah, both guys. I, I think Slayton's I think both plan guys. is interesting, but it, yeah. to me again, it's like if they're chasing draft capital, I just have a hard time seeing the Browns who are already scraping and clawing for every pick they can get to, to, to run yeah, over some of these picks tough. they gave up for Watson. I just have a hard time seeing them give that up. So, I lean as we sit here, uh, nine o'clock recording on Monday the 29th. They go waiver wire on mm -hmm. any acquisition, uh, unless it's a running back, 
Dearness Johnson swap type of thing. You know, um, we're going to talk Denzel Mims too. We'll just get there now. I mean, Mims is a uh, Denzel Mims is a former. I don't know if he was a first round, but he was a second round pick out of Baylor. Second round pick, um, yeah. He's with the Jets, and he's he's also fallen out of favor. Now the Jets have they have Corey Davis, and they drafted two really good wide receivers in Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. Like they have just talent in front of him, in my opinion. But Mims is another guy who's had mental mistakes, false starts, clippings, late hits, uh, inconsistent route runner. Again, not the most cons- consistent uh, catching the football in not just difficult situations, but in, in terms of, hey, he's got open space. So some of those things, and there's just there's just a lack of overall, um, I would say, physical and mental performance from him. Now, can you get to a new place and flip it? You know, I don't know. But teams take risks on these things, a la Corey Coleman, right? Teams take risks on these things. So um, these are just, but what you're, again, we're talking about some of these guys who are former highly thought of prospects. They have now fallen out of favor there, and they're like, I'm not expecting this guy to come to Cleveland and produce 700 yards. Like that's not it. You need ramp up time. You need four or five weeks. It's going to take a bit, but I would like to do that. So you can give a guy 15 plays that he's comfortable running and can get him in a game. And it's just, you, you take the stress off of, of Schwartz and Felton. And that's what I'm trying to do at this point, because I just don't feel good enough about it. So um, yeah, those are two that have been out outwardly out there uh, that are available. But again, it's it's just it's hard for me to see them hit the waiver wire and it's it's with Cleveland it's they don't have a bunch of just draft picks laying around the way they probably would if they didn't move Watson uh, for Watson so they're they're yeah. up against it a little and and this and with Mims too I mean credit to the Jets they did a good job like as I mentioned just a couple minutes ago showcasing him like I think they probably raised his value a little bit you know he went for like six catches 100 yards and a touchdown you know I know preseason game but they they featured him in the right way after he puts in the trade request that he probably upped his value a little and you know they probably will get maybe a round or two higher draft pick than they initially would have for him so uh they did well with that I think this weekend so um Let's move to. We're going to talk about running backs here in a second, but and Jimmy G. But let's any name. Okay, so it's kind of looking around at names because you said, and I think it makes the most sense too. Browns not wanting to part with draft capital. They're probably going to go the waiver wire route uh, to add a body to this room or two, right? Depending on the situation. I read a list to you last time I was on, but some guys today. I mean. I don't know. Do these guys bring you any interest? Khalil Pimpleton, wide receiver, returner from Detroit. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you want a veteran. Mohamed Sanu was cut today. Uh, do those guys bring have any interest in them? Albert Wilson was cut the other day by the Vikings. No, not to me, no. but maybe no. they do. I mean, truly, Brad, maybe they do. I, I don't yeah. I don't see those names and I'm, I'm like really excited about it. And, and partly because I just haven't watched much of them. I know of them. Uh, obviously, most of has been around the league for a minute. I think New England gave up like a second round pick for him not too long ago. Um, yeah. But I don't know much of what they've looked like recently. So a large part of what I do is I react. I'm a reactionist analyst, right? So they'll trade or, or they'll pick, claim a guy and I'll dig in and give thoughts then. But Though I have watched Mims, I've watched Slayton, I've watched some of those we've talked about, Terrace Marshall, and uh, have a feel for those guys. But I don't have a feel for some of these really, really like 
veteran fringe types who have, who have fallen out. Obscure names. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll stay away from my list then. Let's uh, keep that to the side. Let's talk about Jimmy G, right? So uh, he ends up uh, re-signing in in San Francisco for like $6.5 million, right? Uh, and I think he has some playtime incentive. Kind of surprising to me the way that they've treated him a little bit here that he ends up staying after all this. I'm actually not that surprised by it, Brad. And let me give okay. you this reason. So when I think about it, Jimmy G is not just thinking about playing this year. He's thinking about playing long-term because he thinks he probably has several more years in the NFL. Sure. As this has worn forward and is gone deeper into the camp preseason, now post-preseason, if he gets traded right now to Cleveland, Seattle, who else? I don't even know. Pittsburgh, I guess. I, I really don't know. There's so few That's about options. It. That's about There's it. so yeah. few. That he's not going to be ready to play until three, four, five weeks into the season. And I mean play effectively. He could get thrown out there and play. How effective is that going to be? He's got to learn a new system, new terminology, new teammates, new location. And that all smells to me like bad performance. And Jim, what Jimmy G does not need right now is putting ugly tape out there. So in my opinion, you got this surgery you just had, extra rest, get that right. You're in San hmm. Francisco where there's a huge faction of the fan base that still believes you're the answer there and believes in you. So what you have here is a chance next summer to get a contract with somebody who's looking for a quarterback, whether stopgap or a two- or three-year guy. You're not putting any bad tape out there. The only tape you could put out there is if, hey, Trey Lance really struggles and they need you to come save the day. And if you do that, you're going to stick in San Fran or you're going to get a good deal somewhere else if you do that. So to me... Staying there, hover it. I, I think it's a bad deal for Trey Lance because I would just want the presence of Jimmy G gone personally. Um, yeah, hovering in the background and being the guy that like fans are like, get you know, put put Jimmy back in, whatever, whatever. Any signs of struggle from Trey Lance, but again, also you get extra time to get your body right that just went through surgery and all that. You're not rushing. You know the scheme. You know the playbook. You know your play caller, and you have a chance to put good tape out there right now. So that means that when the summer of twenty three comes uh you know free agency hits somebody's gonna want jimmy if he went somewhere browns pittsburgh seattle whoever and was not good because of obvious factors such as what i said earlier he's not gonna get very much money no no one's gonna be all too interested in him we've seen the nfl trimming the fat on middle market quarterbacks baker mayfield was a great example of teams just unwilling to overextend themselves and play the waiting game for quarterback now. I mean, we're watching Seattle about to start Geno Smith and and Drew Locke back him up. It's unbelievable. Like their teams are more uh, have, have figured out we need to chase big time quarterback picks to figure some things out. We're okay with being bad at this position if it means we get one of those early picks. So, um I just think the middle market quarterback stuff is is slimming itself out. And if Jimmy puts bad tape out there, and it's so easy to see how if he goes somewhere, he puts bad tape out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Makes think, a lot of I sense. You're right. Be, yeah. I think it could be. You know. So that's my perspective on why he felt inclined to stay there, even at a little less money. He gets to control the trade. He has a no trade clause unless mm -hmm. he just is in love with a situation somewhere. So at the I trade deadline makes, or something, I think it makes yeah. a decent amount of sense because, you know, everyone's presumes he's really hungry to get on the field, but I'm sure his agents like, Hey man, let's look at the five year plan here. And 
you know, a year of no Jimmy G and the mystery of like, he could still do this is better yeah. than terrible tape that you put on field because the factors around you suck, right? So that's what I think. Makes a lot of sense, actually, now that you say it, because he would get rushed probably into a situation where he was unaware and then his best chance, you know, this year, as you said, because uh, I'm not convinced their guy is ready in San Francisco by any stretch of the imagination. So he may get a shot there and, and he will have a lot better chance to put, as you said, good tape out there and uh, find a, find his way into a situation next year and, and do it the right way from spring all the way through, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Uh, all right, let's uh, move on. You, you mentioned to me this running back story. This is intriguing, right? Let's tell me uh, again, Mad- uh, Alexander Madison, right? Uh, yeah. In, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So what? Twelve teams have called. It was the report today that have called yeah. on running back Alexander Madison. So. How do you interpret that for the Browns who are possibly in that same market with a running back? Yeah, I, um, you know, 12 calls is such a, a weirdly precise number, right? Like, yeah, it is, right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's fluff, but it does, I do think there's interest. Madison is a talented back. He's been, you know, he's been blocked by Dalvin Cook, who is as good as anyone in the league, in my opinion. He's extremely talented. So he, just like Kareem, although Kareem has clearly accomplished more in his career, is looking to to figure out a way to make another contract and a contract that matters. So he would like an opportunity somewhere. And I think he's talented enough. I really do. He's a big guy, uh, runs well, good zone runner, has fit well when, when Minnesota has used him in their wide zone stuff that they love to use there, which is so familiar to Cleveland. So I do think there's interest in him, not surprised by that at all, especially considering how many teams run that system. So you could look at it one of two ways. You could say, well, that's a running back that someone's going to trade for, and that takes away from the Browns' ability to give one of their guys up if they like that guy more. But 12 teams, whether true or not, it does it does show you there's interest, right? He there's is in the market. last year of his contract. Yeah. He is um, a guy that will probably yield late comp pick. So you're like, could you get a fourth or fifth for him? And that's better than a sixth. You already have. They're in a similar spot where, like, if Cleveland were to move Kareem, they could get a comp pick at the end of the year, but if they were to move him for a fourth or a fifth, like they still have two guys behind him that I think Dearness and Jerome Ford are very talented. And Minnesota has a couple guys behind Madison who they think if they moved Madison would also be fine to back up Dalvin Cook. So um, I think it's it's what it what it told me. This is just it's, again it's hearsay. You can never really totally know whether these things on Twitter that are being reported are true. Many Minnesota people seem to believe it. The, the folks I follow um, is that. The running back market seems to be out there. So we'll see if somebody in the next 24 hours gets hungry enough to go move for somebody that they really want. I mean, we know that uh, Washington is dealing with a very tragic situation. They, they, they yes. Antonio Gibson is a guy that we all thought they loved. Then he, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. And then Brian Robinson, mm-hmm. the rookie, just got shot in a robbery attempt. So maybe they're looking for somebody. Maybe, like I said earlier, New York is looking for somebody to be Saquon's backup due to his injury history that matters. Like I, the Jets, I'm a little tough because they have two guys, Brees Hall and and Michael Carter. I don't really see them wanting to move for a running back, but there are some others right. out there that are that are just maybe interested in bolstering the running back room. Kareem's price is difficult, but to me, Dearnest is is a very simple trade candidate for some teams who need a patient zone runner who can really uh, create yards when there's not much there. So I, I think I remain thinking Dearness is the most likely to go but uh yeah the the market should be there for some backs we'll see if any traction happens we've seen wide receiver traction so far we need to see a little bit more in the running back realm yeah so 
let's hope that is a sign. You know, 12, as you said, the very specific number, but 12 is a lot. And it, it does, if it is true, that does show signs of a market being out there for a guy like uh, uh, either of the Browns running backs that they're willing to move off of. Uh, I, you know, I would prefer it not be Kareem personally because I think without Watson, you need him, but maybe uh, Dearnest, uh, mm-hmm. as you said, might be mm-hmm. an easy move. Um, but I have another question here, and I'll see if you have anything else you want to f- finish up on tonight. So you mentioned earlier about Forenstall making the 53. Um, there was some interesting names cut today, and I won't go through them all, but, you know, like, for example, like O.J. Howard is, I guess, available via trade right now. And I'm not saying, like, the Browns need a, a tight end like that, but it seems like some of these tight ends, like, uh, for instance, uh, real quick, just the Steelers, they cut their third-round pick, that Sternberger mm-hmm. tight end today. Mm-hmm. Like, guys like that would probably be better than Forenstall in the long run, maybe. Uh, you know, do they try to upgrade there you seem to earlier maybe mention that you thought that their waiver priority lies more on the interior defensive line than at tight end i think yeah i think tight end i kind of referenced it earlier is is uh it's a mixed bag two things have to happen brad not only do you have to you don't you don't win every guy you claim so like you could have maybe gone after somebody who you wanted on the d-line more but then you maybe end up with a claim that, that sticks like sternberger here you're talking about so yeah i think tight end is one of the ones they'll be interested in if the right guy's there, but I would but imagine they are prioritizing D tackle wide receiver potentially if a DN they love is there. Uh, remember, like every year it seems like Jermaine uh, Fady they got off waivers. They got uh, the year before that Joe Jackson was a waiver guy. Like they've kind of claimed edges off waivers quite a bit. So um, interesting. Yeah, I, I think that tight end isn't the top priority of the waiver situation. I thought it would be, but it's still in the consideration. Still in the consideration for me. So like top priority. Would me for me D tackle wide receiver, and that's probably it. Secondary positions I would be interested in. I mentioned a sneaky, uh, sneaky one, a dark horse. Not I, I'm gonna actually go first with the other ones. I'd be interested in a tight end. I'd be interested in a defensive end. Sneaky two ones that I don't think people are thinking are gonna happen that could. Another linebacker and another safety. Those are yeah. two that. I'm interested in uh, because they they could they could bolster some of that and if they want a sixth linebacker they're they're not um, not rolling in a, in a in a bevy of talent at that position so they could go there. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. Uh, so yeah, I think the, you nailed it there. You know, I think wide receiver is priority one, probably two defensive tackle, and then tight end and i agree with you from there on down uh but certainly i think i mean really and except for offensive line probably any position might i mean it wouldn't totally shock me like if there's a better player out there i mean barry said he will try to improve this roster as you know as he can so if he sees a name that he likes or that's on his little list and he likes them better than a Sean Jolly, they could add a corner even. Who knows, right? You never know. So Yeah, you, you really don't. Tomorrow, today was kind of the appetizer, and tomorrow should be the main course of what their decision-making looks like, and that's the fun stuff for me. I, I hate predicting, Brad. I really like analyzing after it happened and coming to see where they were coming from um, with their point of, of that decision. So that's the stuff I love. So I'm sure you'll cover it. I will also cover it tomorrow night. And, um, yeah, you got everything you need for – uh, digesting the Browns 53 man and the decisions surrounding it from all eyes in Cleveland and the OBR film breakdown. There it is. Uh, as the great Jake Burns, host of the OBR film breakdown, 
uh, here tonight in our crossover with myself, Brad Ward, and All Eyes on Cleveland, a Blue Wire podcast joint collaboration production. Uh, any final thoughts before we get up and out of here? I have absolutely no final thoughts, Brad. I think we crushed it. Good 55 minutes of Brown's discussion here with a lot of different angles. So if people needed these final thoughts from me, I'm sorry because we put in a lot of effort. We grinded the show tonight. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. We did. I appreciate you, Jake. You're the man. Uh, For Jake Burns, DOBR Film Breakdown, uh, and myself, Brad Ward at All Eyes on Cleveland, we are out.